And welcome back into another edition of the Chris Mathis Podcast, a Talk to Him Tuesday edition of the show, which of course is brought to you by my friends at Information On Demand. Information On Demand, whether you need criminal background checks, drug screenings, E-Verify, academic accreditations, or other screening services, they've got you covered. It doesn't matter if you're here in the state of Florida, across the country in California, Montana, Colorado, anywhere in the United States, they can take care of you guys my friends at Information On Demand will get you that information you need in just eight hours or less. Information On Demand, they're fast, they're accurate, affordable pre-employment background screening services. Give them a call today, 855-914-4636, 855-914-4636, or visit them online today at informationondemand.net. Again, glad that you guys have tuned in for another edition of Talk To Them Tuesday with, of course, my co-host, Spencer Mathis, who is back here with me as we have our friend, a, tr- a freelancer in production and multimedia in all regard, Josh Harris, joining us right now to talk about his career, a guy that I met this NFL football season at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, there, I think the second or third game of the year, I ran across you, and I was like, hey, man, this guy's really cool because just a few weeks before the season started, I believe, you came into the studio here at iHeartRadio Tampa Bay, and you guys pulled some audio from the Ronnie and T-Crash show. So uh, I, I think that's been a cool relationship that we've been able to build over the last couple of months. Yeah, and absolutely. I look forward to uh, finding your seat each and every game, no matter where my seat was at, Josh. So uh, <laughs> thanks for your time, man, and thanks for joining us. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt. So I know that you've done some work with NFL films, but technically you're a freelancer. You're not necessarily employed by NFL films. You're contracted out by NFL films when they need a gig. So for somebody out there that has no clue what a freelancer is, uh, what is a freelancer for someone that's actually in the business that actually is truly a freelancer? Well, um, I'll tell you the good stuff. You're your own boss. You work when you want to work. You can work as much as you want to work as long as they'll have you. Uh, You can say no to jobs. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm booked that day. I'm not available. Um, You have time for your family. The the downside is there's not a cushy, corporate, comfortable job you go to. Uh, They don't, you know, I have to buy my own health insurance. Um, but most people in the production world start with a job, a, a, they, or they work for an employer and, and more times than not, when they go freelance and and become their own boss and kind of experience the flexibility of it, they don't ever go back. Uh, so it's, it's a great way to make a living. I feel very fortunate to play a small part in, you know, in, in the production world. And, and, uh, it's, it's awesome. Before we really delve into this and your career, obviously you weren't always in the production world. You started off in business and sales and then made that transition to the production world. Talk about what exactly you were doing and business and sales. And then how all of a sudden you're like, Hey, let me get into production and, and go from there. And now obviously you've done some incredible work that we'll talk about here throughout the show. Well, I like I like to say I had my uh, midlife crisis early before I was married with kids, you know, and uh, <laughs> um, I was I was young. I was doing well financially. It was kind of a family business, office equipment kind of stuff. And uh, I just I wasn't happy. You know, there was always this technical 
creative side of me. And I it just it, it never occurred to me that I could make a living that way, that that could be a source of income. And it took me walking away from my formal business education and stuff. And 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 I was just kind of kicking around like, like, what do I do? And and a buddy of mine from high school is like, dude, you need to talk to a friend of mine. Uh, he's in the production business. You know, he 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 does like at the time he was doing like weddings and dance recitals and a little corporate work. And and that kind of like was my like I that was my introduction to the production world. And you start about that introduction. I believe your first gig was uh, booming a mic for five dollars an hour for a, a corporate job. So obviously there's a lot to that one sentence right there. What exactly does booming a mic mean for those that have no clue about this technical side of uh, production? Well, well, first of all, he called Steve, his name's Steve. He calls me and he's like, Hey man, you know, listen, I, I was hanging out with this guy for like a year for free, just showing up. Cause like, I, I, I loved this business. I, um, I, I wasn't a business. I love production. I, so I, he would call me, I had no formal, education he'd call me he's like hey man i got a gig show up i would and that went on for about a year and then one day he called me he's like hey i got a gig blah 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 but this one's different i'm like how so he's like well i'm gonna pay you for this one and like it was like boom like a light bulb went off and it was just like wait a minute it, it, it's such a cliche but you know you, let's continue with the football references you'd see guys on the sideline they'd be like i can't believe i get paid to do this you know and it, like i didn't get it but at that moment i got it it was like I can get paid to do what I've just like, I'm like playing, I'm having fun. You know, it, I loved it so much. And so he calls me and, and I boom a mic. So booming a mic is <clears throat> you've probably seen it on TV and it's a big long pole with a big, you know, they call it the dead cat on the end of it. There it is. <laughs> and, and when you boom a mic, you, you're, you're basically holding a microphone over the subject's head. So uh, you can hear them. Uh, and, and I was basically working the crowd in this corporate, uh, Q and a session where I was putting the microphone over the person that was talking in lieu of passing a mic around and taking the time to do all that. So I was booming a mic and that was my first gig. I know I've run camera, I've edited, I've done studio work, I've done truck work. I've done a bunch of stuff in the production world, but I always like, like I ended up truly like specializing in audio and and it was kind of a a neat thing that that was my first paid gig that i ever did yeah no doubt and obviously i spoke about a few moments ago you came to iHeartRadio tampa bay uh with some guys from nfl films obviously i believe probably freelancers as well uh to come grab some audio from the ronnie and t craft show earlier this season i believe it was right before that thursday night game against the baltimore ravens uh and i was asking you how heavy that, you know, that mic, what, what do they call that stick again? I apologize. The boom pole. The boom pole. Yeah, I was asking you how heavy that was, and you let me hold it, and it's not necessarily heavy for a few seconds, but I feel like after being in there for an hour or so, it, you know, it probably does weigh down a little bit. Is that right? Over time, over time, you, you find creative ways to, like, if you're, say you're working a game and you're and you're down on the field and you're trying to get audio from the bit like the last time I did that was for the Gasparilla Bowl where Wake Forest uh was in town and their quarterback is part of a Peyton Manning show which is going to air uh, around draft time on ESPN 
NFL films is shooting it. And uh, I, I, it was a lot, it was actually more booming than a regular football game, I think uh, NFL, but you know, you find creative ways to hold that pole. And, but you know, at the end of the day, your shoulders are sore, your forearms are sore, your arms might be shaking a little as you're trying to just uh, a little bit longer, you know? Yeah, that's awesome, man. All right, Josh. So I, I want to talk more about your career in regards to some cool opportunities that you've had before we get into uh, even stuff away from the football field, because now obviously I spoke about you were up in the press box for each and every game at Raymond James Stadium this season, but you've been to four Super Bowls and your time, and I've got the four written down. I believe 2001 was your first, Ravens and Giants. Uh, also, 09, Steelers and Cardinals in Tampa. Followed up with the Buccaneers and Chiefs game in Tampa. Uh, 2021 Super Bowl as well. And then last year, you were in L.A. for that Rams-Bengals Super Bowl too. Talk about that whole atmosphere from the get-go of having your first shot back in 2001 with that Super Bowl between the Ravens and the Giants. Well, with uh, with that game, uh, I spent the week uh, working with the Fox Network um, in various capacities, doing little like remote live shots and stuff uh, around the Super Bowl, uh, kind of around the stadium. Uh, we would they would go out and shoot little packages that they would talk about, you know, leading up to the Super Bowl, and they, you know, we go shoot things and. I'd do the audio and they'd edit it together and it would air, you know, on the Fox network. And then come game time, uh, I was with a camera guy and we basically were working the sideline, just shooting moments from the game. Uh, it was, it was kind of pretty cool to just, you know, it started with the flyover the, of the B2 bomber. Uh, that was just the, just literally like, you know, it puts a lump in your throat, just like that thing flies over and, and that's like the first, like, I'm like, this is insane. I can't believe I'm here, you know. And and we spent the game just kind of working the sidelines, not necessarily players per se, but just capturing moments within the game. And uh, uh, and, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. This is the Super Bowl, you know, and here I am. And, and uh, it was it was pretty spectacular. Yeah, and your first two Super Bowls, the one against the Ravens-Giants, was, all, was of course, one of the greatest defenses of all time with the 2000 Ravens defense. They had Trent Dilfer as their starting quarterback, which has Tampa ties that aren't good. And then the next time you were the Card-Steelers Super Bowl with one of the most historic plays in Super Bowl history as well, uh, before halftime, that James Harrison pick six. So going, Nine, having that as your, yards, 98 yards, something yeah, crazy. Having like that as, that, right? as your first two are, are just absolutely insane. So. I saw a couple of days ago that they're going to do a documentary about the 2000s Ravens team. Are you playing any part in that? I couldn't tell. I don't remember if it was NFL films or not. But speaking to that, if you are not playing a part of that, do they do other like companies come to NFL films to try and get the the mic'd up audio from that year, like the 2000 Ravens? Um, they do. Like whenever you see now, I, I'm not exactly sure how all that works, but I know that. Um, for instance, all of the like when 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 ESPN wants to do a documentary about a player or a moment in time within the NFL, they'll go to films and and films has this amazing database and you can type in like a player's name and and some crazy wild card word like laughing and the way they document and chronicle and ingest all of this footage is 
categorized by all this crazy metadata that when you put in a wild search, like I need somebody sneezing and, and it, you'll get a list of all the players like doing stupid sneezing stuff. You know, it's just, it's crazy like what you can go to them and they can provide you. So yeah, they have this amazing database and, and they're constantly providing outside productions with content, you know, that I, I don't know how much it costs or all that stuff works. That's, that's not my department, but um, I do know that, that they are the heart and soul of, you know, the NFL and have all that uh, footage. And do you know how many years back the NFL films audio goes like, because, of course, you work with the football life is what you said and the, the top 100. Like how many years back have they been miking players up or just getting audio from the locker room or around the team? It, it goes back to, I want to say, the first Super Bowl. Like they've been, they've been putting mics. They've been experimenting with it as far back as that. I think, I think they had the coach um, wired up for the Packers in that first Super Bowl. And they, there are moments captured with that audio as far back as that, you know. And, and Steve Sable, who who passed away a few years ago, um, his dad started NFL films, and then and then Steve kind of really took it over. Um, and uh, well, I was <clears throat> I was I just saw that one of the last productions that he that Steve Sable spearheaded, which was one of the first things I worked on was this documentary called Finding Giants about the giant uh, uh, about the Giants football team and how uh, they're the guys that look for players uh, and, and all the, the all around the country they have these uh, categories and, and geography areas that where they're searching for the next superstar and it's it was a fascinating process and that was like Steve Sable's last project he worked on but he started it and they've been I mean, as long as NFL Films has been around, they they're capturing it. They have it all chronicled. They used to shoot on film. They're in the process, I think, of transferring it all digitally. Uh, they have they have crazy stuff done in the and they call it the vault, where like they have Henry Ford's first films that he shot of like the Model T back at the turn of the century. Like somehow they're like the the place where all this crazy stuff gets stored. Uh, I, I've never been in the vault, but I've been to films and, and uh, one day I hope to, to, to actually get in the vault. You see, you know, you see images of it in some of the shows that they do. Again, joined by Josh Harris, a freelancer who's done work for NFL Films. Also, some really cool things, too, especially if you guys are into uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit models. We'll talk about Kate Upton as well here in just a few moments. But talk about your role and the Super Bowl, and if it's changed throughout those four different Super Bowls that you attended in 01, 2009, 2021, and 2022. And is this a field of work in which, you know, in 01 and 09, you kind of progressed or had more responsibility? Or is this, hey, this is your forte. We want you to continue to do this because you are, you know, one of the best to do this. Well, in 01 and 09, I was, uh, I kind of was sort of like, the picture you showed, you know, I got an audio bag, you know, strapped to me and I, and I'm running around with a boom pole. Um, that was sort of me for the first, uh, Oh one and Oh nine with Fox and NBC. Um, and then the, the one in Tampa a few years ago, uh, I, I had the opportunity to do what you, you see me do in front of you, which was, uh, provide what is referred to as enhanced audio. 
and uh, the enhanced audio, uh, which interestingly enough was conceived by John Madden. It was his brainchild to one day be able to kind of hear the the line, uh, the offensive line, to hear what's going on on the field. Um, there were it was a great concept. The teams were hesitant because they were afraid. We, we don't want the mics. We don't want people hearing stuff that's going on in the game, you know? And uh, so NFL films was involved and NFL films came up with this concept and how to do it and have been, ref they refine it every year. They get better and better technically and, and everything else. And, uh, and, and so for the Super Bowl in Tampa, I was doing this enhanced job where I go in and I mic the pads of the guards uh, for both the home team and the visiting team, Bucks and Chiefs in, the, in that instance. And I control when the audio from the field goes to the broadcast truck. So when you're watching a game on TV and you hear the quarterback go, blue 32, um, it's not because of a guy with a parabolic mic on the sideline. It's because the guard has a mic on his back, you know, that is picking up the quarterback. And after they clap, break the huddle, the mic gets open. The truck can choose at any point when to take that feed. After the ball is hiked, about three seconds afterwards, I, I fade it out. And within that window, the truck can decide when they want to hear it. And usually it's right after, you know, they take it right afterwards. And then you hear the quarterback. And then as soon as the ball is snapped, you can hear that of the like a train wreck from the offense and defense. And they usually transition at that point to the sideline mics. And, uh, and that's enhanced audio. And that's what I did for the Super Bowl in Tampa. And then what I did in uh, L.A. was something totally different. Um, I was on the sideline. Uh, I had Michelle Tafoya. So there's a show um, that streamed on Paramount, I believe. And it was called Women in the NFL. It was like a six or seven series show. And it talked about women and their involvement in the NFL um, from uh, Condoleezza Rice and her love of football and, and the owner of the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, is uh, daughter is basically the day-to-day -day runner of the team. She kind of is the glue that holds it all together. And, and so she's a high-level exec in the NFL. And so the security lady, a, bu a bunch of different people. I, I never saw the show, but um, uh, we, I, had, I had Michelle Tafoya, sideline reporter. That was her last game. She was mic'd up. And then I had a camera operator from NFL Films who's on staff there. Uh, her name is Hannah. Uh, she's just this amazing pistol of a camera girl and, 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 you know, working in a guy's world as it were, and, and doing a great job. Uh, and she had a mic on her too. So they were our two subjects. And so instead of the football game per se, we were kind of focused on these two people and, and we're running around the sideline, following them, doing their job. And, and it was kind of cool. Uh, but just different, you know, we weren't there to cover the football game. We were there to cover the, some people doing a job at the game. And, and that was kind of a neat perspective to, uh, to kind of have, uh, at the game. So, you know, it's, it's, it's neat that my job is always kind of the same, but also very different at the same time. And I love, I love that the variety of that. And you mentioned that John Madden was the one that wanted to have offensive linemen or defensive linemen mic'd up. I have a question if coaches or GMs ever go back and try and listen to what their players on the field are saying, maybe for disciplinary reasons or just for team morale to see who's with it and who's not. Well, what, what the only time that what they say is recorded during for enhanced is when they're open and it's part of the broadcast. 
the rest of the time, there's no way, there's nothing to go back and listen to. It's only recorded in the broadcast. So that there's no way, there's no record of it. There's no way that you don't go back and listen to anything. If you want to hear what they said, you watch the broadcast. And that's the only time that what they say gets put out there during the enhanced process. So I obviously saw you at each and every game this year at Raymond James Stadium, and, and you talked about the fact that you guys get there pretty early to make sure that all the equipment is set up. I believe for, uh, was it the Dallas? No, it was the uh, Carolina Panthers game, I believe, week 16 or 17. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, week 16 or 17 in Tampa where there was fog still. It was a 1 o'clock kickoff. Fog was still really, really bad. And you were talking about, man, I'm not sure if this fog is going to get all the way out. And I said, yeah, I can only imagine it was bad this morning. And you said, yeah, it was bad about 8 o'clock. And I'm like, man, he gets here at 8 a.m. before a 1 o'clock kickoff to do his job. So how much prep work goes into that? And what exactly are you doing when you guys do get there so early? Because obviously you have a very important job and you're trying to make sure that the guards are mic'd up. But what exactly are you guys doing in terms of prep before every football game? Well, for the for the enhanced process, uh, I actually go in the day before the game, most of the time a Saturday, and I build my equipment in the press box. That now, before some of the some of the venues, some of the stadiums, they get to leave their kit built in their in their area, whether it's whatever the area it is. And uh, I unfortunately have to go in the day before. I build it. I put up my antennas. I, I I set everything up. I check the mics, make sure nothing got damaged the game before, and do a little uh, you know uh, testing. And then uh, that takes me a couple hours. And then uh, then I'm in, usually in about five or six hours before kickoff. So it's if, so if it's a one o'clock game, you know I'm I'm there I'm there. And uh, that's why when we went in there for that game, I mean, I walked out of my house. I couldn't see the house across the street from me. And then I get to the stadium and I, 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 I had some, uh, I have some pictures of it, but like you can't, you couldn't see the stadium. The stands were just a, a cloud. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a fog that uh, eventually burned off and it turned out to be a halfway decent day, but yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy uh, early that morning. So yeah, I get there a little early uh, to make sure everything. Right. So it's so the day of the game, I get there and um, we have to be in to the equipment room and we have to get everything done and we leave before the players show up. Just that. So there's no disruptions. There's no uh, uh, b- breaking of their routine. And a lot of times the players, they don't even like they, they don't even not, not that they don't know, but but it's just their pads are wired and then the jerseys go over the pads and, and the players, you don't even see it. You know, it's almost like uh, they're uh, FBI undercover <laughs> wired agents, you know? So I, I want to talk about the, I guess you could say range that the mics get picked up on because there's an antenna right in front of you. I talked about it, it was a sure antenna, I believe right in front of you in the press box at Raymond James. And I was kind of asking you a little bit about that. And I don't know if you had a specific answer or whatnot, but, I mean, how far can these players get from the antenna or how far can they be and you feel confident that you're going to pick up the audio? Well, one of the one of the key things that makes this successful are there is a team of guys at every game, at every stadium, in every city, and their job is to coordinate all of the wireless devices 
that are happening at the game, whether it's ESPN or Fox or NFL Network, all these guys show up with mics. The referees are talking on wireless mics. Cameras are using wireless frequencies and wireless technology, and, and it all has to not interfere with anything else. There are TV stations around there. There's a TV station across the street from the stadium in Tampa, yeah. you know, like all this RF is flying around and their job is to say, here's a clean space. This is going to be for you and what you need to do. And all your mics will live in here. And because of that, we are working in like optimum uh, environment. And, and so, you know, I'm up in the press box kind of at that slash angle looking long ways down the field. I mount the antennas up above me on the little in the windows and and it'll pick the player up on the far end of the field. And 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 that's probably you wouldn't want to push it much more than that, but it's enough, you know. And so you hear them all the way from one end to the other. Yeah, it's quite impressive. Again, joined by Josh Harris, a freelancer who's done some incredible work, obviously, with NFL Films. Done some stuff with a very well-known zookeeper as well, but continuing with some football talk here, uh, talk about kind of your viewpoint in regards to the stress levels that come with doing a football game. Is there any stress with your job, or is it? are you that confident in what you do to where you're just, hey, it's another day, I got here early <clears throat> enough, I'm prepped, you know? How do you? How would you say? Or is there ever a, a, a sticky situation where you do have to, okay, how do I handle this? Something went wrong. And if so, what are some of those situations that you try to improve on? I, I wish you had been sitting behind me at the Cowboys game. Yeah, um, they, sorry to interrupt you, Josh. Yeah, they moved. I was, I was way up high to the left, man. I was upset I wasn't directly behind you. Right <laughs> here, so. Um, you know. You go in, you wire the pads, and the microphones are in a standby mode. And you, when the players come out for pregame warmups, you fire the mics up. And you really like, like, the, once they're fired up and everything, and you listen and you hear them and it sounds good, like you're over the hump. But it's that four hours from you mic the pads to when they finally come out that you're like, come on, please turn on, you know, like, and, and 99.9% of the time you don't have a problem with that. But um, there was a, the last game of the season was a tricky one. Uh, apparently the, the frequency coordinator didn't catch that a TV station had turned on in the market and was causing a lot of interference. And it kind of took almost the first half to really, figure it out and 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 it wasn't the solid reception that myself and the network were uh were were expecting and so he scrambled to give me some new frequencies and i'm having to you know reprogram the transmitters remotely with this remote and 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 make sure that we're still sending the enhanced signal to the broadcast truck and uh, it was it was fun. It was a yeah, it was an exciting way to finish the season at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Speaking of home, you reside in the Tampa Bay area, so I know that you're a freelancer and you've done jobs for not just NFL films, but also some stuff with Sports Illustrated. Uh, also did a little bit of work as well with Jack Hanna, a world famous zookeeper. I'm not much into zoos. I like them, but even I have heard of you know Jack Hanna. So talk about your traveling. And whatnot for jobs, if it's just only during the football season or if you're doing other freelance work to where you're traveling across the country as well. You know, during the football season, um, 
you stay pretty busy with with films, but during the off season, like NFL film shoots twelve months out of the year because all of the shows that are on the NFL Network, all of the Peyton's Places shows, all of the uh, Epics Icons shows that 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 it it's basically Epics has a show called Icons. It's kind of like a football life on the NFL Network. And you sit down with a player or somebody or a coach or someone and, and like they tell you all about their career and and and, and pre and post and all just amazing stuff, you know, insights into these people. So they're they're constantly needing content, constantly shooting and constantly doing stuff. And and uh, so so I, I work a, a little bit with them. You know, they're a good client. Um, but then, you know, I've traveled the world with a corporate client. I've been to. You know, I, I, I've been paid to go to Poland and work in China and Mexico and uh, Alaska, you know, uh, had the opportunity to work with some great people at Jack Hanna doing a commercial. You know, I'm, you know, putting a mic on them. Uh, and I, I, I wish I could find a link for the spot. It's it's for the Columbus Zoo. And there's a giant velociraptor in like the passenger seat of a Jeep and uh and and there it is, and it and it slobbers it 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 it, it and Jack's driving the jeep, and and it's like a dog sticking his head out the window, and a big piece of slobber goes and lands on the car behind him, and the guy has to turn his wipers on, you know. Uh, it was a real fun commercial, and uh, so it's it's a great way to make a living, you know. I've, I've been around the world. Uh, it's 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 kind of cool, and and been up in airplanes and. I love I love aviation. So uh, the 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 Sports Illustrated job uh, you referred to was 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 an interesting, funny story that uh, uh, if you want to hear it, I'll tell you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead and tell us. So, um, she's <clears throat> we're going up. We're going up in the zero G uh, plane and. Uh, the night before we all go out to dinner and we're we're sitting there and uh i'm talking to this guy across from me actually i'm, I'm mentioned in the sports illustrated article the, the the guy i didn't unbeknownst to me across from me is the guy writing the article for sports illustrated and uh and i've been up in planes a lot and and i a pilot told me once he's like yeah the best thing to eat before you go up in an aerobatic plane is a banana because it's the only thing that tastes as good coming up as it did going down so I made a reference to that. I had no idea who the guy was. Um, and uh, we're eating dinner. Uh, and I'm, I'm long story short, I broke a tooth and I drank some cold water. I thought it was like a crouton in my salad and I put some cold water in my mouth and, and the cold water hit the nerve in my tooth mm -hmm. and like my head exploded and, and it like the pain never went away. And the next morning we get up, we go up in the plane and the zero G plane and it's doing these parabolic, you know, things to, to give you weightlessness. And, uh, I just, I'm not the guy that gets sick on roller coasters and I can sit on a motorcycle backwards and I can read in the car. I mean, like I don't get sick. I'm not that guy, but for that day, I just, I was blarking my brains out and and there were about a million gopros mounted in this plane and and i i just recently saw the guy i worked with and, and to this day he laughs he's like yeah every once in a while one of the gopros there you are in the background just oh. you know 
and and while it was a super cool experience i had kind of that kind of hanging over me you know uh but but i got paid to go up in zero g and and uh and it, it was awesome you know you forget about the bad stuff and you just remember the good stuff but that was that was that was a that was a fun one for sure all right real quick what was your role in that because it was kate upton the swimsuit model was there in the plane and outside the plane what was your role in that production in that photo shoot, that bikini shoot? So the guy I was working with, he has the unfortunate job of having to travel around with all the photo shoots and shoot all the behind the scenes videos. It's a terrible job. He hates it, I know. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> it was basically he brought me in to help with. Um, so we had the photographer, Mike. And we had the girl who was the director, Mike. And then I had a boom mic that I was trying to capture just the environment that was going on. And all of that was coming back to me. And I was recording it in my spot. I had like a ratchet strap, my legs kind of tucked underneath it. So every time the plane did the thing, you know, I, I'm not floating around. And, and uh, so that was sort of my role is to capture the audio of the photographer, the director, and then everyone else. <clears throat> yeah. Talk about what that takes. Oh, Spence, you got it. Okay. Uh, actually, no, stay on topic here because I was going to go to NFL Films again. But you can, Yeah, all right. You, you so let's stay on topic here. What was Were you able to interact at all with Kate Upton or any other uh, bikini models of that nature? Because, again, just talking about zookeepers, like I don't, I don't know many zookeepers, but I know Jack Hanna. I don't know many swimsuit models, but I know of Kate Upton. You know, so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of – she's – so she – we, we were uh, – we all went out to dinner the night before the crew and all of us, it was like 12 of us, I think and we're at a restaurant and she's there and she got a big old bouquet of roses from her boyfriend at the time who later became her husband, who I think, you know, who that is, right? He's, he's a pitcher. Pretty good. I, I, oh, wait, is it, um, is last it name starts with a V. So, Herlander. Yeah. So, oh, so, so we're all like putting the rose petals on our noses and we look, you know, it, it, it was, it was fun. It was crazy. And she was super nice and um, just a regular person. I mean, like uh, most of them are, you know, and if you're, if you're invited into their little inner circle for a brief moment, they're usually pretty nice people. And she was, she was nothing but super sweet and super nice and uh, was quite a trooper, man. She, she's, she's having to do wardrobe changes on the plane in the middle of of the of the waitlist parts you know and uh and then and it's like they put up these blinds so she could do it because you know she's changing bathing suits and trying to have a little bit of privacy and 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 and, and changing her suit and then uh next thing you were waitless and she's she's floating around you know it, it was it was it was it was kind of surreal for sure Okay, and going back to your work with NFL Films, what is your role exactly whenever you're dealing with Top 100 or, or the Football Alliance or stuff of that matter? So I'm basically, uh, I'll go in, I'll, I'll, I'll wire the, the you, it's usually one person at a time, and I'll go in, I'll put a wireless mic, hide the mic on, on our subject, whoever it might be. And, and then I'll also use a stand, and I don't have to hold it, but I'll put, I'll put the boom mic on a stand above them so I have two uh, sources of audio, the boom and the love, uh, and re I record that discreetly back at me. And uh, it's, you know, it, it's usually at a, sometimes it's at the person's house. Sometimes it's at uh, 
at uh, a hotel or, or a ballroom or something. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm responsible for capturing whatever they're saying. And that's essentially my small little part in, in, in the big scheme of it all. So taking the top 100, for example, you're the guy that's kind of micing up like the player interviews whenever they're talking about a certain player. You're the guy that's micing them, the guy that's saying like, hey, this Travis Kelsey guy's one of the best tight ends in the league or, or, or of that nature, stuff like that. So like a lot of times they'll do that during training camp and they'll do it at a football of one of the team's facilities and they'll and they'll set up in a room and they'll just try to get as many players through there as they can to come in and talk about it. Cause you know, they, every player, whether he was with the previous team or, or whatever, like speaks a little bit, you know, Hey, who would you vote for as best wide, wide receiver, you know? And, and so they capture these moments and at, actually at the same time, there's a crew of people running around actually getting the players to fill out their ballots and say, who do you rank number one QB, number one wide receiver, and all that stuff's going on kind of outside our room while we're interviewing all these guys. Uh, I mean, I've done top 100s in hotel rooms. I've done them at training camps. Uh, um, and it's usually they try to get a handful of players to come through and kind of make the time worthwhile to sit down and t- say, okay, talk to us about this. Or, or they have one little small little – hole they need to fill in a show that one player can speak to so they'll go to that player and say we want to make it easy for you we'll come to you we need to ask you a few questions and 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 it might be as you know small as that but um it's uh it's kind of cool yeah and obviously josh when you go to get that audio from these nfl players for the top 100 is this a thing where the players happen to be in tampa area or are they like hey josh uh, you got to go fly out to arizona next tuesday and go talk with larry fitzgerald yeah, mo- most of the time it's in in Florida. Uh, I mean, I've done top 100s in Atlanta. I've done top 100s in New Orleans, um, but but it's usually in Florida, uh, Orlando, Jacksonville, Miami, Tampa. Um, uh, that that particular show, I want to say, has been mostly in Florida. Like I said, I did one in Atlanta. I did one in New Orleans. Um, yeah, so it's it's generally for me, you know, because they have. I mean, like, listen, I there are guys that have been working with NFL films a lot longer than me that have a lot more seniority and have a lot more tenure, a lot more experience. And but there are guys that do work with NFL films, freelancers, like they have staff guys, but then they also have freelancers in almost every city that has a team. And they, I, you know, geographically, they try to tap into those guys uh, and use them uh if possible to you know who wants to pay for travel but you know when you when, when you need somebody and there and there's nobody available in that city you know you bring someone in and and fortunately i'll, I'll be lucky for on t- from time to time to be that person now you obviously got to help out uh with joe namus and an update of joe and the magic being right what was your role in that regard to uh, i saw the video i saw the original one from years ago and then i saw the updated version that you helped out with and it was like a a sit down with Joe Namath and he was talking about Bengals superstar quarterback, Joe Burrow. You know, that was done in his, in over in uh, Jupiter where he lives. And it was at his <clears throat> recording studio where we had great acoustics and essentially there was a script and he, we recorded him reading that script. And then a few times he was on camera um, uh, purposely on camera, but uh, I, 
I had no idea about the original video. It was it was kind of new to me, and I I, I since uh, or afterwards I looked it up, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Winnie the Pooh narrating, you know, uh, uh, or the guy they brought in the guy that does the voice of Winnie the Pooh to to, yeah, to narrate this thing, right? And and uh, and then so here so here Joe Namath is now updating it about a new Joe and the new the magic bean, and so we we they just needed a place close to him that had good acoustics. So we go into this little recording studio and we, we record his audio and the few times there's a camera there and a few times he's on camera and, you know, kind of had a nice little bit and nice little part in that video. Obviously you've got to work with so many greats. Uh, we talk about obviously Jack Hanna, world famous zookeeper, Joe Namath, other NFL players, Kate Upton as well. Is there one or two that will always stand out to you that you'll take to the grave with you and think, hey, I, I can't believe that I was able to do this or this person was so great? Is is there one or two names that come to mind? I mean, it's I, – I, I don't try to name drop, but just so – I mean, you know, you, you have the opportunity to work with some, you know, amazing people. Um, more times than not, I, I kind of find myself – appreciating the other crew people I'm working with, you know, it's kind of neat to work with a celebrity, but you know, it's like, you know, some are, some are jerks, some are nice. You're like, whatever, you know, you kind of get over that, that whole, you know, oh, you know, yeah. um, uh, but, but they, they, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and Tiger Woods and, you know, just Jack Nicholas and, and, and Arnold Palmer and just some amazing sports people that, that you you you're you're doing interviews with these people and they're inviting you into their homes and you're kind of you you know they're they're like they're offering you hey can I get you a glass of water and you're like just I'm like Jack Nicholas just offer me a glass of water like this is crazy you know and 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 so you kind of there's this you know like my wife is like did you get any autographs you know she was always like do you get autographs I was like well it's kind of this unspoken rule that. You don't ask for autographs, but on occasion you'll get a picture or a, like I, I did a thing with um, with Reggie Jackson, you know, with the Yankees years ago. And, and the director brought in like a box of of baseballs that he bought that he thought might be props. And after the interview, Reggie's like, hey, you want some autographs? And we're like, so I have a I have a autograph you know, baseball from Reggie Jackson, you know, and yeah, just amazing stuff. And, and last year that uh, women in the NFL show, I was telling you about pres former president Bush was, was interviewed for that because um, he talked about Condoleezza Rice and her involvement and, and, and Jerry Jones's daughter, who he's close with and talked about their involvement. So we did an interview with president Bush and afterwards it's kind of like in the middle of COVID we're all wearing masks and, and he's like, hey, how about a picture, you know? And, and and we all jump up and he's like, get rid of those masks. We don't need masks. We can't see a smile. So I have a picture with Bush, you know, uh, and the crew. I mean, it, it's just, you know, that that's that has to be one of the top things for me, to be in a room with the former president, most powerful guy in the world, uh, who, who, you know, uh, throw politics out the window, just the president, you know, the pre and super nice guy. Uh, he, he was great and, and, and just would talk to you and, yeah, I mean, that, that's probably one of the top things for me. As far as those that are watching right now that have any interest in production, what would you tell them in regards to getting their first start? Because now you're in a spot where you are your own boss. You're a freelancer. You talk about taking gigs or declining gigs that you don't want or, you know, maybe maneuvering and working on other projects and you're unable to do other gigs. 
but you started off making $5 an hour with your first gig. Uh, obviously, uh, setting up a mic, booming a mic. What would be your advice to somebody out there regarding if they have any interest or want to try out this field of work? And is it something that requires schooling? Well, uh, I think my advice would be whatever you do for a living, I hope that you love what you do because it, it's such a cliche, but it's very true. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, I, I would want you to be in the production business because you love it. Um, there are a lot of people. Full Sail is a great institution. A lot of great people learn some amazing things and come out of Full Sail. But a lot of times, a lot of people come out of there and they, they want to be the next Spielberg. And they're not willing to start at the bottom and be a PA and a production assistant on set and kind of work their way up and learn, you know, the, the, the most, the rudest directors I've worked with come to find out like never spent time working their way up. So they're just, they're just, boom, I'm a director. And, and, and they, they don't understand or can't sympathize with what the other departments are dealing with or the situations you're put in. Um, but I, I would want you to be in the production business because you love it. And, and uh, don't be afraid to start at the bottom. Um, Cause if like you, you will learn so much, you know, I've been, I've been an editor. I've done camera work. I've done truck work. I'm a better audio guy because I edited it. And I saw what the guys in the field were bringing back to me. And I saw what worked. I saw what didn't work. Um, I'm not saying you have to be an editor, but just, you know, the experience that I've had over my time has made me better at what I've decided to do in that small, you know, there are so many things to do in the production world. You can be camera, you can be an assistant camera, you can be a director, you can be lighting, you can be assistant to lighting, you can be audio. There's just so many makeup and wardrobe and all these different departments and, and whatever it is you choose to do, just don't be afraid to start at the bottom, you know, and be humble and be nice because it's the nice people will get hired over like somebody with mediocre talent will get hired over a stellar technician if they have a better personality. If you're not easy to work with and you can't, production's a tough way. Like you got to have thick skin, you know, uh, if you don't have thick skin and you can't take a joke or you can't take a little ribbing, um, this is not for you. And I have one more final question for you, Josh. You mentioned your top five moments and you had stuff that was ordinary, like going to the Super Bowl, uh, just enjoying life, traveling and stuff like that. And then you inserted in there about the fourth or fifth one in the email that you sent to Chris and I, that you had been in a room where a murder had taken place just a week prior. Could you speak more into that or were you a part of that? No, well, <laughs> so as an audio guy, you can't, you can't always pick your jobs. It's just basically you get a call. Hey man, you available next week. Yeah. And you don't always know what you're getting involved in. And this was some show where a kid who was making some bad decisions went to court and the judge sentenced him to crime scene cleanup. So what does that mean? Well, this house, I don't even remember what city we're in, somewhere here in Florida, some guy in this little rundown home, somebody went in and shot him on a mattress in a room and, and, and blew his head off. And it was, it was, the body was gone, but all the blood and the parts and the pieces were on the wall. Blood had started to soak up the drywall. And, 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 and let me mention that the house is 
been without power and closed up for two days. So we go in, we show up, and uh, what the, the, the idea, the big reveal is cameras in the room where this all took place, the door is shut, and we get his reaction to opening the door and seeing what he has to clean up. So, so we're, Cameron and I are in the room, and, and we're like, hey, shut that door, count to five, and, then, and, then, and let's do this, right? We don't want to be here any longer than we have to be in here. And the door shuts and, and like a minute goes by and we were like, where are they? Why are they coming in? The stench is horrible and we're just dying. We're just like, we're like, hey, hey, open the, you know, so they had, no, no, we're good. We're, sorry, it took us a little longer. We're like, listen, we're in this room. You need to like make sure this happens quickly because we don't want to be here any longer. We have to be here. So we're in there, they open the door and the guy sees it and he was freaked out and he's like, oh my gosh, no way. And he's, you know, we shoot him picking brains off the wall and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not always, uh, it's not always uh, supermodels and, and superstars. Sometimes you're showing somebody picking brains off a wall. So welcome to the world of production. Yeah, Josh, that's crazy. I want to wrap up with one final question for you. And you don't have to give us anything that you're unable to talk about, but are there current projects that you're getting ready to start on or that you're currently working on right now, first week of February and moving on? Um. Nothing exciting, unfortunately. Nothing, nothing. Uh, uh, got a got a commercial. <clears throat> Most of the commercials I do, I'm not allowed to talk about because it's all like who can get the product to market first. A lot of infomercials in Tampa. Uh, I've done, I, you know, I, one of the people I work with a lot is uh, Anthony Sullivan, uh, the OxyClean guy, and Billy Mays before him, who yep. passed away. They're both, you know, Sully is based here in Tampa, in the Tampa area. So um, do a lot of, a lot of infomercials. That's kind of his niche, you know? Uh, uh, so that I've got a corporate gig. I, I'm coming up and nothing, nothing exciting. I, I'm, uh, it doesn't look like I'm going to the Super Bowl this year, which is cool, which is fine. I'll watch it for a moment. I have some wings and, uh, and uh, have fun with that. But uh, yeah, nothing, nothing, unfortunately, nothing, anything exciting. Uh, okay, I, I know how this is, though, because I feel like if I were on set just to watch, I'd be like, man, this is intriguing. This is awesome. Is there any way that any of the listeners can keep up with you or any of the work that you do? Do you have any social media of any kind that, you know, people can check you out on? I, I, I'm on Facebook and I, I post some stuff. Uh, uh, I have I have an Instagram account, which should probably have a little more activity on it. Uh <clears throat> I don't even remember what my uh, what my uh, Instagram uh, name is, which uh, I, I might be able to give to you after the fact. But yeah, that uh, sounds great. I'll make sure to tag that uh, Instagram down below in the comments in the description, guys. If you want to keep up with Josh and all this work, because I know we just scraped the surface here, I feel like we might have to touch back up in a few months and and talk again, Josh. So thanks for your time, my man, and uh, we really appreciate it. And again, it was a pleasure to get to meet you this season. At Raymond James. Chris Spencer, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.